Let's go ahead and pray. Father, thank you for your word that it never turns back void. Lord, I pray that you would uh, just speak to us, Lord. Thank you so much for what you're doing in our lives. Thank you that you have a plan and purpose for us, Lord, that um, you, you were, the psalmist said that he could go to the depths and to the heights, Lord, and you're there. Lord, I pray that you would just uh, have your way in us today, God, that none of us would leave this place missing what you have for us, Lord. I pray that you would just guide, guard, and direct this time of study, Lord, and that it's just a continuation of worshiping you. Lord, thank you so much for all that you're doing, Lord. Just lift up the other churches and the communities, Lord, that you would strengthen them and be with them, Lord. And um, thank you so much just for each and every person here. And I uh, pray that uh, you would just bless them and their families. And uh, again, lift up the children's ministry. You'd be with our children's ministry team. And pray for those who are watching online that you'd be with them as well. Thank you, God, that you are able to minister to folks, Lord, regardless if they're even in this room, Lord. Lord, thank you that uh, today is a day of celebration of what you've done on the cross for us as believers, Lord. And thank you that you're drawing people unto you that don't know you yet. And uh, just praise you and give you all the glory, Lord. Thank you for the work that you're doing in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're continuing. Um, we'll finish Galatians chapter 1 today. And we're, we're continuing through the book of Galatians. Um, this uh, was a letter written by Paul, just kind of an overview. Not to one church, but more, there was more than one church. It's the churches of Galatia. Galatia was a, an area. And um, at the time, there were folks that had uh, infiltrated the church. And when I say church, I mean the believers of Jesus, not a building. I think sometimes we get that mixed up. And they had started preaching to them or teaching them a, a false doctrine, a gospel that added a law or trying to reestablish Jewish law so that um, it would be Jesus plus the law of, of, of the Jewish law. And, and in our relationship with God, um, it's, it's grace from God having faith in Jesus and Jesus alone. And it's by His grace that we can know Him and by His grace that we can live and, and walk in a relationship with Him. And it's that unmerited favor that God has towards us um, and, and that, that love that he has towards us that draws us unto him and that continues to teach us. And um, I've heard it said that, you know, as human beings, we don't like laws. We don't, you know, you make a rule and, and we'll want to break it. It's just like, you know, don't touch the red button and, you know, what do we do? I mean, God gave Adam and Eve one rule and they broke that and then the Ten Commandments and people couldn't keep those, and really, then the law just really just showed us that we were utterly sinful, and then God came in with his son and said, hey, I'm here to set you free from bondage of sin and death. And there's such freedom in the Lord, you know, there's such joy, there's such magnificent opportunity that God gives us to live a full life as we walk with him. And so, Paul writes this letter to these churches that God allowed him to, to, to plant through his missionary journeys, and he's writing to them, you know, as a father basically would to his children that are going in a wrong direction or being led astray. 
And so we pick it up in Galatians chapter 1, verse 11, and we'll read till 24, and then we'll just kind of talk about it today. Galatians chapter 1, verse 11. But I make known to you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached by me is not according to man. For I neither received it from man nor was I taught it, but it came through the revelation of Jesus Christ. For you have heard of my former conduct in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God beyond measure, and I tried to destroy it. And I advanced in Judaism beyond many of my contemporaries in my own nation, being more exceedingly zealous for the traditions of my fathers. But when it pleased God, excuse me, sorry. Devices are a distraction. But when it pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb and called me through his grace to reveal his son in me that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately confer with flesh and blood. Nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me, but I went to Arabia and returned again to Damascus. Then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to see Peter and remained with him 15 days. But I saw none of the other apostles except James, the Lord's brother. Now concerning the things which I write to you, indeed, before God, I do not lie. Afterward, I went into the regions of Syria and Cilicia, and I was unknown by faith to the churches of Judea, which were in Christ. But they were hearing only, he who formerly persecuted us now preaches the faith which he once tried to destroy, and they glorified God in me. So, again, Paul is presenting to the church of Galatia his credentials, where he came from, who he was, and he's going, he's continuing to build upon um, the kind of the who, what, when, where of who, who he is pertaining to the Lord so that those that were preaching a false doctrine could be put aside. So he's there to reassure these churches of Galatia that he has heard from the Lord. And, and so let's break this down a little bit. So in verse 11 and 12, we see that he says, but I make known to you, brethren, that, that the gospel which was preached by me is not according to man. That's super important for us to know that the gospel of Jesus Christ is not according to man. It has no origination in man. It has nothing to do with man. Man did not devise it. Man did not create the church. Man did not create those things. It was God himself because he loves us. That's what the gospel is, the good news that Jesus Christ loved sinners who are destined to hell. And aside from having a relationship with Jesus, and before we have a relationship with Jesus, we are living our, our body, our soul, who we are is contrary to God. We can't even please God. We, he, 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 he wants us, to, he, he, he woos us into a relationship with him. He's constantly knocking on the door of a non-believer's heart and mind. And, and if you have any thoughts of God or any thoughts of a relationship with him or, or thinking about the Bible or any of those things, then that's the Lord drawing you. But we see here in verse 11 that, that, that Paul is saying, but I make known to you, brethren, that the gospel, which is called, the definition of gospel is the good news. Good news that we 
are loved by God, that we have the opportunity to be set free. The good news is that God sent his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, to die for you and for me. Without us, we could, without him, we could do nothing. We can't come to God except through Jesus. And, and he died for us while we were yet sinners. And that's great news because I, I have a hard enough time trying to manage my own life and, and be copacetic with others, let alone satisfy a God who's perfect. I'd fail at that. All of us would. And so there's this good news, this gospel. And Paul's saying, which was preached by me is not according to man. Verse 12, for I neither received it from man, nor was I taught it, but it came through the revelation of Jesus Christ. This is a very unique situation here. This gospel, this good news that Paul preached that he spoke of, it didn't come, it, it wasn't, like I mentioned, wasn't created in man at all. And he received a direct revelation from Jesus Christ. This gospel Paul was preaching makes everything of God and nothing of man. No human being would ever try to create this type of salvation. We would want the glory. We would want to be noticed. We want to say, look at me. You know, there's a funny thing that from In Living Color, you know, Stuart, he always says, look what I can do, you know, tries to draw attention to himself. I know it's really kind of a slang thing to say, but I was thinking about how as Americans or as, as human beings, let's just even say that, and, or as a church in general, it's always look at me. Well, it needs to be look at Jesus. And when Paul was preaching this, he was preaching that it was Jesus himself that gave this to him. You have to think of too, when somebody comes to you and, and you're volleying for um, uh, authority to teach somebody something, the authority has to come from somewhere. And, and in that time, the authority had started out with the church in Jerusalem, Pentecost, Peter was the leader of the church. And then God did something very special with this man, Paul. You remember in Acts chapter nine, Paul was on a raging rampage to destroy the church. And Paul's speaking of this revelation of Jesus Christ when Paul was in the middle of his destructive pursuit to destroy the church, thinking that he was actually bringing God's kingdom upon earth by removing anything that, had, that was contrary to the Jewish law. Jesus met him there and changed his life and shared with him everything about the gospel. So Paul's encounter with Jesus Christ on the road to Damascus was a very unique thing. See, most people learn of the gospel through a person. And that's a great thing. Like somebody like me or you would go and share the truth of Jesus or what God's done in your life with somebody else. God will use us. This isn't saying that some people have to go off to a certain place and, and, and have this secret place with Jesus to learn from him. God gave us the word. Now he gives us other people to teach us these things. But this thing that happened with Paul was unique. He learned directly from Jesus Christ himself. Okay. Jesus being God can show up anywhere he wants. This is after Jesus was crucified, buried, and resurrected. This wasn't some ghost or anything. This was God himself, the Son of God, Jesus. There were one, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, three separate persons, three separate personalities, but all one. Our mind can't wrap around that. We just have to say, okay, that's how it is because the Bible says that's what it is. People can teach us all sorts of great things. But God's revelation to us teaches us all things that have to do with life and godliness. This revelation is the word of God, the Bible. That's what this ministry here stands on is the Bible. 
Without the Bible, we're lost. The day I get up here and start teaching my concepts, I hope somebody takes me out and puts me in the gravel. And I'm being serious. Because if the Word of God is not what our life is founded upon, then we have no foundation. Man makes all sorts of concepts. Like Paul stated in the, the, the earlier part of Galatians that we read, that even from an angel or himself, may they be cursed if it was a different gospel. Cursed under the darkest depth pit, separated from God. That was a serious thing. And we need to take that as serious. And we need to look at that. Okay, that means that God's word is serious for us as individuals. It's serious for me. 2 Peter 1, 3 through 4 says this. As his divine power has given to us, listen, you guys, all things that pertain to life and godliness, not some things, all things, through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. It's through the knowledge of Jesus, through the word of God, that all things pertaining to your life and my life, pertaining to your godliness and my godliness, it comes from the word of God. Verse four says this, by which, 2 Peter 1, 4 says this, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. If you were to take your life and live just by verse 4, how amazing would you sense your life to be? I want you to really look at that verse and think about what those words are saying to you. This isn't me speaking to you. This is God's word, the creator of the heavens and the earth, speaking to you, saying, look, I've given you all these things. They're available to you. It's exceedingly and great and precious promises. Do you know when God makes a promise, he never breaks it? You know why? Because he's not a liar. Do you know God is love? Satan's a liar. Our flesh lies to us. My human nature wants to satisfy itself in every level. It wants to absolutely ignore what God wants to do in my life. I have to constantly confess my thinking to the Lord so that I might actually walk with him in a way that's glorifying to him. We have to submit ourselves unto the Lord, unto his word, and let the word of God temper our lives. And that's what Paul was, was, was arguing over. He was saying, look, this didn't come from me. This came from God himself, and Jesus himself taught me. Life and godliness, man. How many of you want a good life? I do. And I don't mean good by standard of bank account or like, you know, cars or things or any of those. Yes, it, we need necessities in life to take care of things. Absolutely. I don't think God says, you know, you need to live an impoverished life, drag your knees across America, you know, in penance. I don't think that that's what I'm, the Lord wants for our lives necessarily. You know, he wants us to live a life that lives out the precious promises that he guarantees to us. And if we adhere to anything except what's in God's word, we'll, we could be led astray. And this is what Paul was speaking to them about. Verse 13 says, For you have heard of my former conduct in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God beyond measure and tried to destroy it. A lot of times we look at the Bible and we look at the people in the Bible and we think that they're this high and lofty human being that we can never live up to the standard of godliness that they live by. But Paul is writing out here, he always writes out his past to put into perspective the glorification that God has done in his life. And our lives are built to glorify God. Did you know that in our weakness, God's strength is made perfect? That makes no sense to us as human beings at all. It doesn't make any sense. We, we're, we wanna be strong. We wanna be successful. We wanna have, you know, you know, look at me, I can do this great thing. 
But God calls and says, look at me. I want to do this great thing. You need to become less than me so that I can be great in you. So you, I want you to think about that for a second. Paul writes this. His past was horrible, absolutely horrible. He tried to destroy the church. He wouldn't be the first person you would pick to be on your team, unless you were marauders maybe. Acts chapter 9 verse 1 says this. This is literally what was happening in Paul's life when the Lord showed up on the road to Damascus. Then Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord. Do you think of Christian when you hear that? Do you think of follower of Jesus when you hear that? Do you know that the Lord sees all of us and loves us while we're in the middle of breathing hatred and all sorts of things? He loves us. He doesn't love us to leave us there. This wasn't a thing of like, oh, look at me. You know, Paul's not saying, hey, go back and read Acts 9. And that's just the three quarters of that verse. If I didn't, if, if I put in the other part, I would have had to put the other verse in. It wouldn't have been in context for what I'm trying to explain here about Paul's life. Still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord. This is what he's referring to in verse 13. They heard of his former conduct in Judaism and how he persecuted the church of God beyond measure and tried to destroy it. He was zealous to destroy the gospel because to him, the gospel wasn't following the Jewish law. Grace doesn't follow the law. It just says, accept the Lord. Accept him into your life. Confess that you're a sinner and believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins. For it's with your mouth that you confess and with your heart that you believe. It's in Romans. It's so simple, and yet we confuse it so much. So what a contrast of Paul's life was to how he is now that we're reading. This miracle of transformed life. How amazing it is how God changes us. How many of you guys ever look back and you're like, wow, I used to be that way, and now I'm this way. And how I got from there to here, God did a miracle in my life to put me here. And it brings glory to him. The process of a transformed life brings glory to God. It's an amazing thing. God wants to use every one of you. God wants to change every aspect of your life to glorify him. It may not look how you think you want it to look, but God desires to fill you up, to transform you, and to encourage you, and to give you a life that is abundant, an abundant life. Not a life, when I say abundant, I don't mean physical things. I mean abundant. God's word says that there's torrents of living water that comes out of a believer. This, 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 this bubbling up. The Lord wants to use all of you to bubble up to share the love of God with those around him. Let's let God's word teach us and show us what that looks like. Let's not be like the churches of Galatia and take upon other concepts and negate the, God, the word of God. I love how the Lord transforms a life. It's amazing. I look at Paul's life and I'm like, wow, Lord, if you can do that with him, you sure can do a work in my life. Verse 14, he continues, he says, and I advanced in Judaism beyond many of my contemporaries in my own nation, being more exceedingly zealous for the traditions of my fathers. That word zealous means 
He was just going for it. He was passionate about these things, these traditions. Paul had an education in the Jewish law that exceeded beyond many of his peers. He was super educated in regards to Judaism, beyond even those that were in the same training as him. Paul knew the law, yet he never inserted it into the gospel, the Jewish law. He never inserted it into it. This shows that Paul purposely did not include the Jewish law into the gospel. It was not out of ignorance. In other words, it wasn't because Paul didn't know it. You know, one, one might say Paul never spoke of the law as part of the gospel because he was not educated enough to do so. Well, this was not the case. And this is what he's saying. He's sharing this with them. Because remember, those that are giving this false gospel to the churches of Galatia are mixing in the Jewish law with grace, which with, 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 with the gospel. And so Paul's saying, look, I, I know all these things. I, I was above anybody in regards to the training of this. I know the difference between the Jewish law and I know the difference between walking in a relationship with Jesus through grace. Verse 15 through 17 says, but when it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb and called me through his grace to reveal his son in me that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately confer with flesh and blood, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me, but I went to Arabia and returned again to Damascus. So what is this saying here? I love that when it pleased God, God is the one in control. God is the one that draws people to him. God's timing in our life, man, it's, it's, it's an amazing thing. And so Paul says when, when, when God was ready, it, it pleased him. And then he goes and he makes a statement, who separated me from my mother's womb. It's kind of an interesting thing because Paul didn't, he wasn't on the road to Damascus when he was in his mother's womb. He was a grown man. Paul's ascribing the reality that God sees us even when we're in our mother's womb. Did you know that God's the author of life? That he is life? That he, that he breathes life into humans? At conception? Do you know uh, conception glorifies God of a human being? Our life begins in the womb. God sees us and knows us. He, he, knows, he knows our life before we even are born and take our first breath on this earth. He loves us so dearly. He looks at our life, like I mentioned before, and he sees it as if a blimp going over a parade. He sees the beginning and the end and all things in between. And Paul's saying here, look, it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb and called me through his grace. Again, he is describing grace. In other words, the Lord knew me prior to me even being born and he called me through his grace and he revealed his son in me. I love that. The Lord is in us. It's not something exterior. There's something personal when we come to know Jesus. Did you know that when a person makes a decision for Jesus and, and invites him into his life that the Holy Spirit literally physically dwells inside of you? There's a God-shaped hole in all of us and only God can fill it. We try and fill it with everything else in life, but only God can fill that gap and satisfy us. 
And when things in our life draw attention away from the Lord and we try and satisfy ourselves as believers, the Lord's so gracious to remind us, like me, Brian, that's not where your satisfaction comes from. He reminds me that my satisfaction needs to come from Him and from time with Him and time in the Word. Maybe that's some of us here today, we need that reminder that your satisfaction needs to come from the Lord and your relationship with Him and your time with Him. How much time do we spend reading the Bible? How much time do we spend in prayer on our knees submitted to God because He holds our life in His hands? You know, we're all here because He has a plan for us still. It's amazing. Paul continues and he says that, that he might preach him among the Gentiles. Paul's ministry was to, to, non, to non-Jewish people, to the Gentiles. That was a, a miraculous thing in itself. And, and he goes and he says, I did not immediately confer with flesh and blood. In other words, right afterwards, he didn't have to go and, and try and get approval from man or anything. He, 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 he went away. He didn't go up to Jerusalem where the main church was. He didn't go to talk to the apostles before that were before him, but he went to Arabia and he returned to Damascus. See, Paul learned about Jesus Christ through Jesus, by His grace. We see here that Paul's calling was not initiated by Paul, but it was initiated by God. Like I mentioned, when someone starts thinking about Jesus and God and a relationship with Him and the Bible and maybe going to church, that's God knocking on your door saying, hey man, I love you. Come hang out with me. Come learn about me. Give up some things and spend some time with me. Paul gave glory to God in saying that God was the one who initiated these things. It is God that initiates the thoughts and actions in human beings to begin to ponder God and His ways and walk out the process of making Jesus Christ the Lord of their life. It is not us that first pursue God and then Him coming to us. It is God pursuing us, drawing us into Him. He's pursuing us all. God pursues us, and then He leaves us and says, hey, follow me. Like Jesus said to His disciples, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. All the Lord says is follow me. He says, I will carry the burden to create in you that I, what I know needs to be created in you. God's Word tells us continually through the Psalms and Proverbs and even through the Gospels to cast our cares upon Him. I'll read that scripture later on today. The Lord wants to talk with you. He wants you to talk with Him. I love that, that a relationship with Jesus isn't about, you know, protocol, procedure, and do this, this, and this, and then, and then God loves me. That's the way the world is. God tells us to come to Him as we are, by the grace of God, through Jesus And again, that's what Paul is refuting is this other gospel that said they needed to go through and follow the law, but yet it's all about Jesus and grace. And Paul's saying, look, this didn't come from me. Don't look at me. My credentials aren't mine. They're the Lord's through me. In verse 16 and 17 where he says, I did not immediately confer with flesh and blood, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me. See, Paul did not need to go to others for approval. Jesus Christ himself 
taught the gospel to Paul. Paul did not preach the gospel of man. And I want to make a, a little warning here. This is not saying you can go off and do whatever you want without accountability. That's not what this is stating. I need accountability in my life. I need other men in my life to say, Brian, you're falling off the truck. You need to get back on. Brian, your, your, your actions are this. You need to, we need accountability. That's not what this is talking about. This isn't talking about negating accountability in our life. Paul is just saying that he didn't go and, 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 and it's not flesh and blood. It's not, it wasn't anything having to do with the human nature. It had nothing to do with, with man. Paul was not preaching a gospel that came from man. He was preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ that came from Jesus. Also, we see here that, excuse me, that he went away to Arabia for a season. And this wasn't Saudi Arabia. It was a place near Damascus. And we read in 18, it's three years later. So he went away to Arabia for three years. How healthy it is for us to get away with God with no distractions. Have you ever done that before? I don't need to see raise of hands, but have you ever taken, left your phone and computer somewhere and taken your Bible and a notebook and just gone out and sat by a river? Have you ever got up and just taken a walk in the morning, no distractions, and just talked with God about everything that bothers you? Have you included God in your life in such a way to give him the space that he desires to have in your life. Paul went away for three years, man. He didn't do it. He, 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 we don't know really what happened. He just, we just know he went away for three years. But the point being is that we need to get away with the Lord. We need to get away so we can quiet the, the, the concerns of our life, so we can quiet our anxieties and quiet our thinking about jobs and kids and money and relationships and, and COVID and, and, and vaccines and all this garbage that we're being bombarded with all the time that's volleying for our attention. And we need to get in a quiet place with the true and living God so that we could unload and let him fill us up. We need to be filled up by the power of the Holy Spirit through prayer and confession of sins and, and get right with God on a continual basis. Sometimes it takes time Set time aside, maybe, you know, in November. I don't know. Take a day and go somewhere. Maybe you can't go anywhere. Lock yourself in your room for a couple hours and dedicate some time to asking God to fill you up. We need to set time aside for that. It is so hard to do sometimes. I mean, I've got four kids, two dogs, one cockatiel, a bearded dragon, a snake, and another dog. I forgot about the smaller one. That's an animal dog. And chickens. For me to get time alone, I have to get up early than I usually do. And then I wonder why I'm frustrated and why I'm dealing with things in my flesh because I'm not giving God time to build in me. I'm not... And when I do do this, and I, I, I'm sharing this with experience, maybe you've experienced this too, when I set time aside and I open the word and I Lord, will you please teach me? You know, I, I, I started reading the Psalms and Proverbs going by the, the, the day of the week. And this wasn't even in my notes. I don't know why I'm sharing this with you, but 
There's something to be said when we set time aside for the Lord to fill us. And every time I set time aside and, and, and quiet and read the word, there's something miraculous that happens inside of me. And it's not because God's called me to stand up and talk to people about the word. It has nothing to do with this place here. It has to do with a relationship that God desires to have with me through his word. And God's word, it tells us in Hebrews that, that, the, that the word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword, that it's able to discern our thoughts and intents and divide between bone and marrow, that, that it penetrates us. There's something supernatural about God's word. It is supernatural. It's alive. And it's where, it's where our life needs to be based on. It's where our hope needs to come from. Paul was presenting this argument about the validity of where the gospel he talked about came from. This time aside he took, so needed in our own lives to set time aside with no distractions. Verse 18, he says, Then after three years I went up to Jerusalem to see Peter and remain with him 15 days. But I saw none of the other apostles except James, the Lord's brother. So, like I mentioned, after three years in Arabia, he went and spent a short time with Peter and James, the brother of Jesus. Um, this was a personal visit. It wasn't like, because I want you to understand, the church is very new, right? Peter was the leader of, of, the, of, the, of the church at the time. Um, so there was, um, you know, uh, organizational eldership that was in Jerusalem. And so Paul... It could have been construed that Paul went to Peter to kind of like um, get approval of this ministry that he was in. But when we see here in, in the language that it was written where it says to see Peter, it was a very lax. It was almost like um, the way you would take a tourist trip, okay? There was nothing official about his meeting with Peter or James. He just went there and met with them and stayed with them for 15 days. And also, I mean, it, it, for such a short visit, it would have been impossible for Peter to have taught Paul everything that he already knew with how Jesus had taught him prior. So he didn't get some sort of training or anything like that from them. He's just giving you account, you know, what happened after the three years. See, Paul had no need... for this training or anything because Jesus Christ had taught him himself. He had given, Jesus had given Paul all he needed to preach the gospel. And again, this isn't negating our accountability in our own life. This is just specifically what happened with Paul. 20 through 24, now concerning, verse 20 through 24, now concerning the things which I write to you indeed before God, I do not lie. So in other words, he's saying, may God be my witness. I'm not lying to you of these things. Afterward, I went into the regions of Syria and Cilicia and I was unknown by faith to the churches of Judea, which were in Christ. In other words, the believers that were in Judea. But they were hearing only, and this is interesting, he who formerly persecuted us now preaches the faith which he once tried to destroy. And they glorified God in me. It's amazing. This visit with Peter and James, he went to the regions of Syria and Cilicia. He was there ministering. And Paul wasn't known by anybody, really, not face-to-face. Not -face. They didn't know him face-to-face, -face. the followers of Jesus that were in Judea. 
They hadn't seen Paul physically. But the reputation of Paul, um, they heard of this man, Paul, that once persecuted the church, seeking to destroy it. Yet now he's preaching the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And they glorified God for that. It's amazing how when a life, you know, I, I remember when, you know, when the Lord started working in my life as a young adult and hanging out at this house that wasn't the best house to hang out at. I'm sure you guys have those places in your past. And I was sharing with this dude's mom about what happened with my life. And she was like, really? And when the Lord changes a life, it's a miraculous thing. And so even the reputation gets out about our lives, you know, to others. Maybe there's somebody in your life, you know, that needs to see that God has captured you and changed you. And that glorifies God. God wants to be glorified in our lives, and through the transforming of our life, it glorifies Him. I want to leave you with this. Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30, and I referenced this earlier today, and I, I think I've spoken on this verse before. Maybe you should write this verse down somewhere. Memorize it. This is, the, this is Jesus speaking. Maybe he's speaking to us. Obviously he is. He speaks to us through his word. I want you to listen to this. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. That's a promise. Do you see what the condition is? What's the condition? He just wants us to go to him. That's it. It's interesting when Jesus speaks this, he's actually speaking about the condition of a person's life, how they feel on the inside because of things they're experiencing. I love that about the Lord. He sees me for who I am, and yet he tells me, Brian, just come hang out with me. He sees you for who you are, and he's just asking you to go hang out with him. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest that rest that the Lord wants to give us is peace that transcends all understanding. It's joy that is contrary to our experience in life. It's strength when we're weak. It's power when we're weak. God's power in us. This rest that He wants to give us. You know, without Jesus in your life, you have no peace with God at all. It's just the way it is. When Adam and Eve sinned, it disobeyed God, it created this rift between God and man. And when we're born, praise the Lord, God gives us a life, and the life that all people have really is for them to come to know Jesus. That's the purpose of us, to have a relationship with God. But without Jesus, we have no rest. We have no peace. Make Jesus the Lord of your life, and you'll receive peace from God that transcends your understanding. It's his promise. It's not my promise. It wasn't Paul's promise. Verse 29 says, take my yoke upon you. Well, you say, what's a yoke, Brian? I don't have eggs. So back then, this is a reference. I love this. Jesus would communicate things to people that translated to their everyday life. That's a character of God. God doesn't communicate with us to a way that's, that we can't understand. 
I love that, the Bible. Whatever language, if, if we were speaking Japanese, I'd have a Bible that would be in Japanese. God has made sure that the Word of God is translated into the way our language is so that we can understand Him because He's a God that wants to connect with mankind because He created us for relationship with Him. And out of that, it glorifies Him. And then we see here this yoke upon me. So back in the old times, how many of you guys have ever seen oxen, right? There's this big, huge wooden thing that goes... You, you rarely would see one ox working a field, okay? You would, you would, you would see two, usually, and so this, the yoke is this huge wooden thing. It probably weighed 60 plus pounds and it would be over the neck of the ox. And whenever you would have an ox that would be young, you would have to yoke it or connect it to an ox that was older. That's how oxen get trained to actually plow, to work together. And so what Jesus is saying is take my yoke upon you. Attach yourself to me and learn from me. He was using that reference of they would have known what that meant. A young ox has no understanding until it connects with the ox that knows. So there's that yoke that God is saying, that Jesus is saying here, look, yoke up with me, connect with me, hook up with me, connect your life with me, solidify your life to be tied to me so that it never is released from me and I will teach you from me. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me is what Jesus was saying to these people. Look at this. A lot of times people think that God is this God of, I'm going to kill you and, you know, the, the fire and brimstone. And we think of like, you know, the medieval gods and everything. They were just warring against the human beings and blah, blah, blah. After he says, take this yoke and place it upon you and learn from me, he says, what? For I am angry and, and horrible towards you. no says, this is Jesus speaking, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. I want you to think about that for a second, okay? This is God himself. Jesus is God. He's speaking to them and saying, I am gentle towards you, and I'm humble in heart towards you. What does that mean? That means I give you the ability to approach me. He's an approachable God. Then the latter part of this says, and you will find what? There's that word again. Rest for your what? Your soul. All of you have a soul. Do you know that our soul lives for eternity? Whether you believe in God or not, it's eternal. Our bodies aren't. I mean, I just got put a loop recorder put into my body to monitor my heart. My, my body is not eternal, trust me. Our bodies aren't eternal, but our soul is, and God created our soul to live with Him forever. And when Adam and Eve sinned, they ruined that, and God said, okay, well, we need to fix this because this is my desire because I love all of mankind. Jesus, John 3, 16, for God so loved the whole world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have everlasting life. In other words, and you will find rest for your soul. Eternity. You'll either be eternally with God through Jesus or you'll be eternally separated from God without Jesus. It's amazing. And I love this, verse 30. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. This yoke, this, this attachment to Jesus is easy. It's not a burden for us to do so. We make it a burden God says, Brian, I just want to build in you my character. Just, just let me do it. And I'm always fighting with him about things. 
okay, Brian, if you want to be that way, that's fine. You'll pay the consequences. It's just like my kids, you know, they pay consequences when they disobey me. I don't do it out of anger to break them in half. I do it out of love because I want them to not be hurt. Lord loves you. He loves me. And his yoke is easy and his burden is light. And this is, this is why Paul was advocating for this. Because anything aside from the gospel of grace and mercy and trust in faith in the work of Jesus Christ, of his death and burial and resurrection, anything that adds to that is not the gospel. It's not good news. It's man-made. So I just want to leave you with that. God's calling us to come to him, all of us who labor and are heavy laden, and he wants to give us his rest. He wants us to take his yoke upon us. He wants us to connect with him and be bound to him, and he wants us to learn from him. He's reminding us that he's gentle and he's not angry towards us, and he's lowly in heart because he wants to listen. And he's reminding us that if we do these things, that he's going to fill us up, and he's going to give us rest in our soul, this relationship that he wants to have with us. And then he goes on and says, Jesus, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I need to hear that today. I don't know about you guys. God, I thank you so much for each and every person here. I thank you, Jesus, that your yoke is easy and your burden is light. And anything, even in my mind, of thinking that as I read it, Lord, that's contrary to that is in my flesh or the enemy or the world. And I pray, Father, that if there's some of us here today that are struggling, Lord, with a relationship with you, I pray that you would make it clear who you are in their life, Lord, that you love them dearly, God. If there's somebody here today that doesn't know you, I pray today might be the day of salvation for them, Lord, that if you're knocking on the door of their heart, that they would react to that, Lord, to you and invite you in. Lord, I pray that you would continue to, 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 to work in our lives to make us more like Jesus. Help us, Lord, when we're frustrated and when we're angry and when we're discontent, Lord. Help us to, to love our neighbors, God. Help us to not be bitter and, and frustrated. Help us to be quick to forgive, Lord, and, and, and quick to confess our sins to those that maybe we've sinned against, like my wife and I this morning, Lord. I thank you for her. I thank you for the relationship that you've given me with my wife. And Lord, that you have worked inside of us things that we could never do. And I know that you're doing the same for those people that are here, that you're moving in their lives, God. Thank you for the account of Paul to the churches of Galatia. That's just such a love letter, Lord. You correct us when we need to be corrected. And the churches of Galatia sure needed to be corrected. Lord, I thank you for just your word and that it never turns back void. And I pray, Lord, that anything that may have come out of my mouth that is not of you, that you would strike it down, Lord, and remove it. Lord, I pray that you would just bless everyone here, the hearer, Father God, with whatever you want to teach them through your word, Lord. Encourage where encouragement needs to be had. Strengthen where strength needs to be strengthened, Lord. Heal where healing needs to occur, whether it's a, a, a relationship or physical, Lord. I thank you that we can look to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the one that created the heavens and the earth, and our hope can be placed upon you, Thank you that you put love in us, God, that comes from you. Lord, I ask that you would stir up your gifts amongst these people, that they would be a people of prayer and strengthen them, Lord. Thank you so much for the opportunity you give us to praise your name and glorify you in Olivehurst, Lord. I thank you, Lord, that they said that nothing good came out of Nazareth, could come out of there, Lord, and, and the Savior of the world was born there. His heritage was from there. 
as people say nothing good comes out of all of us, Lord, I believe that you have a work for this community, whether it's through this ministry or another ministry or whatever that looks like, Lord. I pray that you would just continue to move as you see fit, Lord. Lord, I lift up the Christmas parade and the the uh, Christmas dinners and all of the different things, Lord, that you might have us do that might give us opportunity to share the truth of the gospel with those around us, Lord. Just thank you so much for all that you're doing in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.